Hello and welcome to the Animation Communication Podcast, your source for discussion about animation, film, fandom, and more. So please join your host, I Love Kim Possible a Lot, or KP, and Lauren Kizich, the Abbey Roadie, for today's discussion. If you like what you hear, please remember to support by giving a like, a follow, as well as subscribing to the main I Love Kim Possible a Lot channel on YouTube. Spread the word and keep being a part of a great community. This episode contains some mild adult language. So welcome everyone to this episode of Animation Communication, where we have YouTube people again. In case you're getting tired of YouTube people, here's another YouTube first person person. Um, Lauren's here. Um, say hi, Lauren. <laughs> okay, I was like, I was like, oh god, I Hello. said hi, Lauren. She's gonna say hi, Lauren, back to me. Oh god. It's ruined. <laughs> it's ruined. My brain um, said it. So a quick <laughs> channel update before I forget, because I will forget. Um, so in order to entice people to watch the videos as soon as they come out, we're doing sketch giveaways, essentially. So if you, I think the new upload time is like Wednesday is at like 11 Eastern. Check, check. I'll check that if I'm wrong. But anyway, so. For those who are new, uh, we do trailers on generally social media, and we do like a um, like the stories tab if I can ever get it to work, and um, like on the, the the community tab, essentially the channel. That's probably will go because that way the, it's the least confusing one. Essentially saying like, hey, we're gonna upload a video. Please pay attention. And analytics are. Um, good. I, like, I soft, soft gold, like, my soft gold, um, for this year is maybe get 150 by the end of the year. Hopefully, maybe, if we can see some su substantial growth. Please, guys, watch and subscribe. But, um, yeah, if you want to win a drawing from me or a team member, I've been doing them for the most part now, or for the most part in general, um, but, you know, if I'm, like, tired and it's just it's a sketch it's a headshot sketch of you or your favorite character so something that would take you know that something that isn't too long obviously because you know you you know we're not giving away yeah there's lots of talented people on the team so so anyway so, so how that you do that is we'll probably do it from every video from from now on so you like when the video comes out you just leave a comment saying like hey i like this part like Ideally, watch the video. Don't just, like, comment on it and leave. So, yeah. So, hopefully, and then you might win this free sketch. I'll be like, hey, you won. Email us here to claim your prize. And you're like, I want you to draw a horse. And then I'm like, oh, man, I can never get away. The last one I did, I, I did one for 107, <laughs> 127K. So numbers are hard. Um, I did one for that. And um, the the guy wanted a... Um, a a Riker from Star Trek, and I'm just like, oh, I haven't drawn people in a while, and I drew it, and I'm just like, oh, well. Here you go. Hope you like it. <laughs> Sorry, it sucks. Practice, so, practice, um, practice. <laughs> but yeah, so hopefully that's a fun way for people to be enticed to watch the videos as soon as they come out. You know, like, you know, if you want to help us reach our goals, please subscribe and notify and tell your friends we're cool. Um, okay, enough, enough, like, sucking up to the man. Okay, Lauren, what's the actual news? <laughs> <laughs> so, the sitch this week, we got a, a couple headlines here. Uh, so, first of all, Pixar, uh, they dropped uh, promotional images, like promotional art, I guess you could say, 
uh, of their new movie, Luca, that's going to be released in 2021. Uh, as far as the summary goes, uh, it, they seem to only be giving away that is a story about a boy spending an uh, unforgettable summer uh, on the coast of the Italian Riviera, uh, which to me and to many people apparently sounded a lot like uh, Call Me By Your Name. Uh, sorry to the kitties who are, are oh, yeah, probably we can have listening a clean to this. I don't know. We can have a clean uh, episode because don't watch a very clean person. So. <laughs> yeah, but I was going to say, if in case there's any kids, it's it's it's, a, it's an uh, adult movie. Well, not, not like that kind of adult movie, but uh, there's a, a scene in there which is not for... Not for kids, definitely not for kids. But, <laughs> um, but it, as far as I could find a little further on the movie was, I guess the kid is also kind of like a sea monster. So I'm almost taking it like uh, the 13th year, if you've ever heard of that movie is about that, the boy who, when he turns 13, like, this, like the year he took, and so he's he's a mermaid. Was that a Disney and he, Channel original movie? It was. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes, it was like from like the early 2000s. That's when like, if you remember the 13th year, uh, that's what also came to mind. But, you know, this is what I'm gauging off of just <laughs> literally two lines of a summary. Um, so uh, but I mean, at least based on the production art uh, and also the fact that the director of the movie is all was the director for uh, the short La Luna, uh, which was one of the Pixar shorts. Uh, and it's gorgeous. Go watch it if you haven't seen it. Um, he's going to be working on the movie. And so, uh, yeah, so it's, it's encouraging to see that the production art almost looks like uh, it could have almost been like a Ghibli movie in terms of, you know, the use of color and the art style that they may be going for uh, as far as we can base on the, the concept art. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm personally excited. And uh, it takes place in Italy, which, you know, it's going to be pretty. And they better showcase some fantastic italian food because what's italy without that reminds food? me i'm hungry I'll, i'm probably gonna eat after we record <laughs> <laughs> and then uh i guess another headline is uh the new the upcoming spongebob movie sponge on the run uh it's uh it's gonna be released in canada and other countries i guess internationally really soon within this year however the u.s release which I guess they're still trying to slate it for, for Netflix. Uh, it's not going to be until 2021. And we're all scratching our heads trying to figure that one out. Um, <laughs> because it's like, uh, I know it's one of those highly anticipated movies. And it was supposed to come out, you know, uh, I guess it was supposed to come out like a few months ago anyway. And they kept delaying it because of uh, COVID. Uh, and so people were highly anticipating it all year. Uh so, and ever, I guess everybody kind of figured it would end up on Netflix for everybody uh, at some point this year, but not for the U.S. So I don't know if that's a distribution issue or anything like that, but that news just broke uh, recently as well. Okay, um, I'm just checking the news. Um, I, found, I found one other headline that I think is worth mentioning. Uh, Kevin Smith is developing Ooh. a Green Hornet, Hornet animated series with uh, Wild Brain, so... Ooh! Yay! There's that. So hopefully, like someone will actually do something neat with the Green Hornet that doesn't suck. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that. That's, yeah, that's nice yeah, to yeah, me yeah, too, yeah. So I, I, I just double checked. <laughs> um, trying to think if there's anything else. We should, oh, speaking of things on Netflix, here's your hint: go watch Animal Crackers and then come back. 
There you go. Heavenly <laughs> imply things. Yeah. In terms of uh, episode. In terms of episode release, yes, go watch Animal Crackers. It's as of this uh, recording of this episode, it's been out for about a week on Netflix. And actually, for throughout the week, it was in like the top, at least within like the top 10 slots of like movies being watched. And at one point, number of uh, actually a few points, it was number one movie uh, being watched on Netflix. So there you go. So I think it's definitely something that. Personally, I had been highly anticipating it. I've already seen it, uh, and I do recommend giving it a watch. It is beautiful. It's got the, so the, basically the the character designer was Carter Goodrich, who has done designs for Despicable Me, and he's a, a book illustrator as well. And he also actually he also had worked on Brave as well. So a lot of his uh, design aesthetic also got translated into the uh brave the the pixar movie so uh yeah so it's it's a it's it's a lot of fun and it was uh directed by tony bancroft and scott christian sava uh who uh wrote the story and uh it's got a huge voice cast i mean i, I couldn't name them yeah all on and two a lot hands. of like so in, like a lot, a of, lot like, of people like, please go check like it out well you might care about like i'm pretty sure you millennials care about danny devito so he's he's a circus clown. Again, <laughs> he is a treasure. It kind of gave me. <laughs> Go ahead. And actually, I was gonna say it's actually technically what was supposed to be the first movie uh, that Emily Blunt and John Krasinski worked on together yeah, as a married they... couple. So there you go. <laughs> Before oh, Quiet no. Place. <laughs> well, it was the first one finished, I guess. So there's 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 that silver silver lining. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to think. Yeah, like they have. Ian McKellen, right, as the bad guy, and he's like super hammy. Like, holy crap! I don't know. Yep. Like, I don't know what how they convinced him to to do it, but I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> hammy people! That was just fun. So, um, yeah, it's 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 definitely not like I'll just say it's definitely not the strongest film narratively, but it's still it's still fun. So you know, you'll you'll quote it, but um, you'll 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 it's a it's it's a it's a long happy film so if you just like if you want something that's gonna make you happy for like 90 yeah, minutes yeah. then there you go a way to put it um there's your hint now 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 come back later and be like <laughs> oh i get it and then i'm like yeah so um i think that's it for the news any other things to mention you think lauren not that not that I can think of, uh, you know, news develops on a daily basis. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I guess that I guess that is it for right now, anyway. <laughs> okay, that was great news, wasn't that a lot of great news? Um, speaking of great news, um, so we have another YouTuber this week. Yay! Um, mixing it up a little bit. So we have um, the Phantom Strider. Woo! If I'm pronouncing that correctly, yeah, introduce yourself. Tell us who you are for the people, for the few people who don't know who you are. Oh, thank you. Well, uh, I'm Phantom Strider. I'm a weirdo who talks about uh, cartoons on YouTube, and I also have a friend named Boo next to me. He's like a, a darker ghost. He laughs. <laughs> oh, okay. For a second, I thought like, are you talking? Do you have like a dog in the room or something like that? No, no, next to me, Boo. You know, Mario. Uh, uh, little ghost with the uh, smiley face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, fo I follow you. Sorry, it's, <laughs> it's been a day. Anyway, um, so we're the general discussion today is a more relaxed show in general, just kind of discussing 
bad animation and what we can take away from it, essentially, because a lot of Phantom stuff is, like, talking about, you know, things that are bad, and, you know, I probably might talk about things that are bad in general sometimes, too, but um, the YouTube algorithm is um, centered kind of like the, the critics thing from Ratatouille, like, you know, reading bad <laughs> reviews are fun and writing them is fun because you can, like, how dare these people, they have integrity, they don't have any integrity, they're just putting this stuff out. And I think a lot of people don't realize, too, that if a movie is uh, potentially bad, there might be other factors that aren't the creative people's faults, too. Like, there might be... Absolutely. Budget, budget problems, there might be, like, executive decisions. Um, you know, sometimes, at the end of the day, the, the whatever it is just has to get out to the public, essentially. I think that's what happened with Rise, Rise of Skywalker. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, everything was, like, a hot mess, and they hired George Lucas to, be, to help with it, and then... I think they he, hired J.J. Abrams. I didn't think they hired Lucas. They didn't want him within 100 thousand feet of the show after the, the prequels yeah i mean i heard i mean we're, we're this is not a star wars podcast so correctly from wrong but i think they hired george lucas near the end to kind of like as an as a like really a, not a ex, not yeah i was gonna say that person, consultant. but just a creative <laughs> consultant essentially oh yeah because rise of skywalker was a mess and it's like still a mess for people who aren't paying attention and then they didn't, like, so this is what I've heard, that they didn't use the cut that they, he wanted them u to use, because I think in the last scene there were supposed to be cameos from, like, mm. like all of the prequel actors and stuff, instead of them just being voiceover things. And George Lucas was so mad that he walked out of that screen oh, that they didn't Aww. use his ending. So, um, yeah, and now there's talks about, you know, rebooting, rebooting <laughs> the whole sequels trilogy, and it's going to be in a separate canon, and they're going to reboot do it all again and i don't know but you know i like how disney is like we're gonna do star wars right and they're like <laughs> oh wait never mind it's uh, a funny thing because like i feel i was thinking about that the other day you know uh, all the directors have been saying star wars will go on forever but i i think each director has single-handedly killed it to quote uh, red letter media and like if i hear that opening one more time i think i will go bonkers <laughs> i'm just so tired of it I don't want to hear an orchestra do it. I don't want to hear a remix of it. I just, or even the cantina theme. It's just like, I can't do it anymore. And I think a little bit of the public after 30 years is just kind of done with it. Uh, so I don't know if there will be, there'll be plenty of merchandise, you know, Disney's got to get their billion or so dollars back, understandably. It's a huge investment. I mean, but, we got uh, the theme know. park stuff. I mean, we wouldn't have Rise of the Resistance yeah. without the without this new trilogy. So, I mean, as much as anybody can complain about yeah. it, I mean, once you've ridden Rise of the Resistance, I don't think it's it's very hard for I think even like the naysayers to like say, "Okay, well, I mean, I didn't have fun with that. It was this wholly immersive thing that has multiple parts and actors and animatronics and a whole experience and no, that wasn't fun at all." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll tell that story um, <laughs> near the end, I guess, when we have some time to kill, essentially. Uh, so, Phantom, um, so what are some of your favorite bad films, bad animation films, and what kind of inspires you to talk about animation specifically? Like, even though, like, we talk about movies and stuff, but, you know, like, the people we bring on the podcast are animation 
more centric. I don't know. I'm gonna stop talking. You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, question. So, like, uh, some of my favorites, uh, one I grew up with was Sonic, uh, The Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. And what I really appreciate about that animation even more nowadays is, and what part of what makes it fun to talk about is you have no idea what to expect half the time. Sometimes the budget limitations are, uh, are actually part of what give it charm and creativity in that there are all these funny ways. You give something like, uh, in Adventures of Sonic for Hedgehog, for example, the animation budget is so low, you can just get squiggles for characters sometimes, or just completely random things. And because it's for, like, they didn't really pay as much attention, uh, like, and have as many quality standards, they can just give the kids anything in the story. And it actually gives it a so bad it's good charm. It's a bit like The Room, you mm -hmm. might have heard of that film. Part of what the charm of that is, is that uh, because the... It's coming from an earnest place from the creator. Um, even though it's terrible, it creates something where you have no idea what to expect. And one of the difficult things sometimes of, say, a quality Disney show is you kind of know what to expect and how things are going to go down to some degree. But mm -hmm. with absolute garbage, you don't always know. <laughs> it could be really yeah, interesting. Even in, no matter, and what's, what's even funnier is that no matter how much money you can put into a project, you could still, I think, I think Food Fight is the biggest example of that, where you're dumping $65 yeah. million dollars into something because of, what was it, an act of industrial espionage, to quote an article about it, where like 95% <laughs> of the film was done or something like that, and all the files were somehow stolen, so they had to redo the whole thing all over again, oh. and no wonder it cost $65 million to make, but yet it still looks bad, yeah. It's funny because, yeah, you can get something no matter, good or bad. I mean, it's it all comes down to, you know, writing and, and the producer and the director making sure they're all the right shots are being called. Um, but also, especially coming from a place of like, even with the room, like you pointed out, it's coming from a place of like where Tommy genuinely thought he was making a good movie. And so, but what it ended up, ended up creating was just a cult classic of like where it's so bad, it's enjoyable. And, um, and that didn't, and that, I, I can't even remember how much it, it cost to make that movie because, you know, there was that whole backstory as to where, how much money uh, Tommy had and how, where he had like this bottomless pit of a bank account somewhere. And <laughs> so you just like, he was a man of mystery. If you ever, for those of you who are listening, if you ever want to read or see, even see the movie, The Disaster Artist, it goes in depth into that whole production and how bizarre the whole thing was. As, and the book is really good. I read the book. So by the way, that's all really that. But yeah, it's 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 interesting to see oh, yeah. these kinds of projects where, you know, you could have all this money to pour into a production and make it look good and sound good, but it doesn't always guarantee it. <laughs> and, you know, you have something like Sharknado where they try and purposely make it bad to be mm -hmm. funny, and it doesn't really work because the you can kind of feel the corporate wheels turning in the background. It's not a creative piece from an individual or a group, small group. It's It's got to be a certain way. It's got to be kind of self-referential. I don't know. It's a funny line, the so bad it's good. But you see it a lot in animation, particularly older films now. Yeah. 
It's, it's, that's, again, yeah, it's like when you look at certain things where you, if it's like low budget or something, there, like you said, there's like a charm to it, uh, especially if it's coming from a place where there seems to be, you know, there seems to be some kind of passion behind it, where, or at least gauging that the crew is having some kind of fun with what they're doing, even if they're not fully enjoying it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kim, you made a really good point earlier before where you were saying that, uh, um, sometimes people, like, they have really limited budget constraints, and because of that, they'll honestly try and make something good, in, even if it ends up quite bad. And honestly, that has actually changed me over the last few years, because so much of animation is just downright difficult to do compared to, you know, mm -hmm. some trashy sitcom. And it's actually stopped, it, it's mellowed me out a lot in my delivery. I don't really do those worst lists anymore. And when I do, I try to go into the positive points mm -hmm. as well as the negative. My most uh, right. common, common lists nowadays are actually worst and best lists, where I can say, this is what they did, and I kind of understand why they did it. But, you know, and it is that tricky thing for all of us, that we still want to be, you know, interesting and entertaining, but we've still got to, uh, you know, appeal to the YouTube algorithm and do some worst. But, like, uh, um. Yeah, I've definitely found that, that like I've got so much more appreciation for even bad animation nowadays. I've actually had a mm -hmm. animation company uh, reach out to me and saying, I know this is a bad one, but I, I worked really hard on it. And we only had this much budget and the shareholders didn't give us much time. So it, it really is interesting when you get the real story behind how some of these are made. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, I mean... Speaking of Star Wars, I think those are the primary example of movies that, like, you know, you can't delete Star Wars, essentially. Like, we can't delete the sequels, we can't delete the prequels, and there's a, definitely a change in the appreciation of the prequels, I want to say, mm -hmm. if that's a thing to say, is, like, at first everyone hated them when they came out, and as time went on, people were endeared to them, like, by... Memes. Like, you can't go anywhere without, like, or any Star Wars event. Not even any Star Wars event, any convention without, you know, someone mentioning a Star Wars event. Yeah, like, yeah I was going to say, it's over on like I have the high ground. I hate, I hate sand. It's rough and yeah, coarse and it gets so, everywhere. Um, yeah, so, you know, I think, you know, and that's something I'm seeing a lot with older animation, specifically, um... You know, I talk about this a lot, but, like, how Disney, now that Disney Plus is out, how, and now everyone has access to the majority of the Disney canon, except Tarzan, because they're holding on to that to, like, make a big deal about it when they put it on Disney Plus, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It's stupid. But, um, you know, and there's always the horror stories of, like, Katzenberg and the Black Cauldron and how he, like, purposely had to shield it and then he didn't let it be, like, released to the public mm -hmm. for, like, ten years. And now, like... It's freely available, and now, like, the Disney Reddit is, like, 35th anniversary Black Cauldron. And so, you know, not that people will remember it, but it's easily accessible, much easily accessible compared to, like, the years of even, you know, VHS and stuff like that. So I imagine, you know, because people have more access to everything and not just select things that, you know, are guaranteed by the populace, essentially, um people's tastes are going to widen as well as maybe some of those things that like you know deserve more appreciation um will find kind of a home 
because these people, you know, like maybe it's a small group, but a small group will say like, hey, Disney, you know what I would do? Like, I know you want to make like Mickey Mouse on everything, even though like things are shut down right now. But like I would kill for like like a like a um, a gurgy like keychain, just a keychain. That's all I want. And then they put the keychain out just to like see what would happen. And then it's like a beanie baby where mm-hmm. it's like a select edition thing and people are like, ooh, and then Disney's like, huh, maybe there's something to it. And I'm just like, we told you every animator fan person ever, so that's what I expect will happen. Um, but uh, Phantom, do you have any like specific examples of like maybe films that at first you were like, eh, I'm not sure what this, you know, I don't, I'm not really sure about this one, but like maybe as time went on or... You know, or you had yeah. the, the fuller story. You you know, you kind of gained a different perspective. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, one I love to talk about was one actually I grew up with. Is I mentioned before is Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. Mm-hmm. You've got a lot of different iterations of Sonic the Hedgehog. You've got Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, Sonic Sat AM, which was a much more serious uh, version of the cartoon, much more well done, more sophisticated story, good pro environmental message that's still subtle. Um, and better animation, good characters. You get Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, which I've ended up watching way more over the years, which is a much worse piece of animation, uh, because there's about 64 episodes and I never know what to expect. Like, Sonic, uh, Robotnik can marry Sonic when he disguises him, himself as, like, Lucinda, his ex, uh, ex-fiance, or, like... Uh, Robotnik can, I don't know, turn into Super Robotnik, but there's a special uh, weakness on his derriere, so when he steps on attack, you know, or sits on attack, he's weak. You get the most crazy, kind of unexpected stories, and as I've gotten older, I've found that as an adult, I appreciate just having a chill show more, um, rather than, Mm -hmm. I'm not really looking for the high investments, particularly when you've had a long day, and you've been working on this or that, and you're just like, I just want something familiar or fun or silly. I don't want to, you know, see the minds of little animals violated and turned into robots and watch Robotnik take over the world today. I just want to see some silly... I want to see Sonic, uh, you know, make fun of Robotnik and them have a, you know, good old time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of those board-driven shows, too, like... Um... So I'll do the, the difference real quick if you're if you don't know what that that term means. So um, so today in television animation, there's two ty- types of um, or how they make shows. There's the script driven, which is exactly like they sound it sounds, and then they give it to the storyboarders, and the storyboard boarders board their scenes based on the script. Or the other way around, where you know you have minimal dialogue, and then it's just given to the storyboarders, and the storyboarders have to invent stuff for what to happen essentially in the episode so a lot of times especially when there's non-verbal sections you know the storyboarders are like gags like what would like make the jokes work and um yeah i think i i think there's definitely like something where it even if it's not so much like monotonous it's just like routine well it is monotonous but like it doesn't have to be necessarily talking Mm -hmm. down to the audience Mm. um you know, in order to just kind of shut your brain off and, like, this is how I know what's going to go, you know, even though there might be some exceptions. Like, the example that comes off the top of my head is Phineas and Ferb, mm-hmm. which is a good yeah. show. It's not it's not a bad show, obviously, um, but it is very monotonous purposely, yeah. like the formula. 
So, you know, even if you miss an episode or whatever, it's not What that saves it, though, is obviously the writing um, because it's like it, what the, yeah. the gags are always mm. great. The songs, there's like, like gosh, what, like a hundred songs at least in, in Phineas and Ferb throughout its entire run. Big, big numbers or small songs, just like the, I think, gosh, who did, uh, I'm trying to remember, somebody... Somebody ranked all the oh, that's right. It was um it was Shafrillis who ranked every single song out of Fib- Phineas and Ferb, and I did not realize how many there were until he ranked them all. <laughs> so it's it takes goal to to do that many songs yeah. in a show. <laughs> you know, and especially at the point where you know the like if you have enough presence on YouTube, the creators are probably gonna like hey, this guy made a video about the thing I made, and it's, like, blowing up. Um, Phantom, do you, like, I know this is a little bit off topic, but do you have any specific instances where people are like, hey, I made the thing that you reviewed. You suck, or, like, it was okay. Yeah, um, good and uh, bad. One was where, unfortunately, uh, people were actually, uh, some crazy person overseas was, uh, being hard on this Russian creator who made a cartoon and I was just so upset by that that someone would be harassing someone else because of me and it was never my intention um, you know it's certainly not what I promote you know I always promote like uh, whether they others like it or not that doesn't matter it's just my silly personal opinion it's just a cartoon but a more fun example let's see uh, yeah, uh, Sonic Boom, the creator of that show, contacted me and said, uh, I, I put a, the cartoon in bad cartoons that become good, which I've regretted, actually, because I mm-hmm. really love that show now. I watched it all the time on Netflix. <laughs> and he said, oh, I don't know whether to say uh, uh, thank you or be annoyed at you, but either way, thanks for putting me on your show. Because that got over like a million or so views. And I, I was promoting yeah. the show, but I kind of wanted just an excuse to talk about it in a kind of negative connotation. Um, <laughs> I, I often wonder with uh, The Simpsons, because like I did worse Simpsons, and one of the big points I made was that Bart was a bit of a psychopath in some of the episodes. And I noticed, like I think a season later or so, um, The Simpsons specifically made... I know, this is probably completely unrelated, but I just found it funny. The Simpsons made an episode where... Bart was taken to a psychopath clinic where he was tried. They did an analysis if he was a psychopath. He was put with a bunch of other psychopaths. And in the end, it turns out, you know, he wasn't willing to go to war to attack these other people. So he wasn't a psychopath. And I was like, well, there they clarified to me he's not a psychopath, but he <laughs> like it sometimes. It's like somebody was listening <laughs> in the writer's room. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me that much because, like, they, they do. You know, a lot of these Simpsons writers now grew up mm-hmm. with the 90s show and, uh, you know, like, uh, are fans of the Simpsons and social media and stuff. You know, I think that's part of what's changed animation so much in shows like uh, Steven Universe, for example. Um, I'm not saying it's good or bad or anything like that. I'm not making a comment on it, but I will say that the creators listen very carefully mm-hmm. on social media to what their mm-hmm. response from their viewers are. And that simply didn't happen before the age of internet because you know you might get angry right. letters from mums but you mu- you wouldn't get that instant feedback from potentially thousands to millions of people so really a different it's changed mm-hmm. animation and plus so in the day and age of the internet where 
where it seems like we're past the the days where they said stranger danger don't go on the internet by yourself yeah don't talk to strangers on the internet meanwhile what are what else can we do but talk to strangers on the internet nowadays (laughs) um and so uh, it's it's just kind of funny that yeah now we live in this era where not only is pretty much everybody on the internet but I think what's also beneficial, at least like to your point of gauging your audience, is like you're no, you know you're going to be hearing from the people who you are trying to cater to, the audiences who you know are listening, uh, because you're seeing what they're saying online. Yeah. And, um, and so when crews see that and they listen and then they actually maybe even make changes or add to a story or anything like that based on what they have seen from their fan base online, uh, I think it's, it's it, I mean, it can be, you know, a good or a bad thing depending on, you know, the show and, and the content. Mm. But uh, I think it's, in, in the end, I think it's just really cool that it is a fully interactive world now where it doesn't seem like there's a disconnect between the people who create these shows and movies and the people who consume them. So it's, it's, it's just uh, it's it's yeah. crazy, and then the, it keeps growing and changing. <laughs> um, I'm just looking over the questions. Um, oh, so let me backtrack yeah. a little bit. Um, so because Phantom, you <laughs> focus a lot on like a much probably a much wider range of animation than I do at this moment. Like, what are things that you look for as far as like a you know a good thing or a bad thing? As like, what are your what do how do you break things down? So because I imagine too. I imagine too you have a you have yeah, a much wider categories than, than I do right now. So I imagine there's kind of like a little yeah. bit of fear of like, oh, you know, if I pick this thing and I say the wrong thing about something specifically, then you know someone might in- invertedly like you know get in trouble or something like that. So I imagine there's a lot of that pressure on to on you too that I'm not really used to dealing. So like talk like tell me about that. So the first part was like, how do you pick your 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 bad and good essentially, uh, and like see. how do you find like what is objectively good and what is objectively bad? Okay, let's see. Well, um, uh, sometimes mm-hmm. let's say I'm talking about DreamWorks movies. I'll uh, look through some of the movies. Then what I'll do is I'll see if say it's got what the IMDb response is, or the YouTube response is, what they might say in the comments. I'm not actually interested in what the reviewers say, but what the commenters say, whether they say, yeah, I agree. I like to see what the Mm -hmm. actual general consciousness feeling is. Does it have a cult following? Does it have, um, you know, a lot of people who secretly like it? And from that, you kind of can acknowledge those points to the viewers, because I don't necessarily shift my opinion, but I will acknowledge, um, I can get it if you like this one. There is actually a cult following. And sometimes people want to be heard so much in life, and you just need to acknowledge their perspective. So I'll still have my perspective on this. I personally don't like this show. I think it's silly, but I know it's got a following. So clearly I'm missing something, or Mm -hmm. you had a better perspective. Because it's all about how you say something sometimes. So... Yeah, that's normally how I'll do my starting research. I'll basically see what the public thinks, 
then I'll look at it myself and try and acknowledge yeah, yeah, things I miss like, on um, what public you know, means, if that makes sense. Um, I don't know how, how closely you follow me, if at all, but essentially we're just kind of dipping our toes into moving, not moving on, but like starting to talk about like animation in general and not just pony content right now. And so I'm kind of like still like surfing through the waters and trying to figure out like what tones we want to make yeah. in specific films. And I've already had experiences like that where... Um, for instance, like um, like something relatively recently is um, um, my favorite character in the Pony Show. There's a new iteration, essentially, where it's it's like non-canon to the other show. Um, the actor for it was replaced, and I was like, oh, you know, and I'm known for liking um, the actor of the person who plays this character, and I'm just like, hey. You know, this is this is this is beyond just me. Like, I'm disappointed, but like, you don't want to like. You never want to send hate to the actor that, you know, just was assigned to the role, essentially. But there's always people that are going to be like, well, I'm mad, you know, for you. And I'm like, that's not what I said, though. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess the internet response, you know, that the problem is, is YouTube is a bit like Facebook in some way and that it inadvertently gets more attention to videos or content when you have a strong emotion mm -hmm. whether that be anger sadness or like um feeling i have a nuanced opinion of this simply doesn't get the clicks the same way so that i often find the smaller creators will often be the ones with the most nuanced interesting opinions that i tend to see because the algorithm doesn't pick them up because less <laughs> people i don't know it's funny like that or sorry i went on a bit of a tangent there but uh, nuance certainly isn't really um appreciated um, um the, oh, i was goodness, i had a mind blank no either, sorry uh, what, I was what was just... the point you were saying it was uh, it was pointing out it was pointing out the good and the bad like how do you identify that in animated content um i think i was just talking about the in like still the influence essentially mm. um because but, <sighs> yeah we can move on i don't remember um <laughs> it's okay you know it's <laughs> It's it's fine, Lauren. Why don't you ask? No, me it's it's cool. Other, you know, I like. I don't know what to ask right now. <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. Well, I was gonna say. Um, yeah, because yeah, as we're talking about, you know, back fan backlash and stuff. Like, um, I was gonna say, yeah, like some of the challenges you face as a reviewer. What uh, do you often face fan backlash for your lists? I know that some people act on behalf of your lists, I guess, sometimes, but uh, I don't know how how often uh, you get fans backlashing on lists. The greatest tragedy is when you stop getting fan backlash, honestly, <laughs> because it means you're in a bubble. Uh, it's a it means because that way the algorithm isn't reaching as many non-subscribers or those who know you are kind of the ones tuning in. And so in some ways it's a tragedy because you're not getting that churn and you're not getting... I, I, I don't know. I, I tend to get a little bit more excited when my videos get, you know... I try to go for the 100,000 quota on most of my videos. And if I can't get 100,000 people tuning in, I yeah, feel like I failed <laughs> in some ways to engage my subscribers. But like, um, I feel like, uh, yeah, I feel like um, that uh, if I'm not getting some backlash, then I'm not getting people who, I'm just in an echo chamber and like people are just saying, yes, I agree with you. I'm like, no, I want you to think about what I'm saying. I want you to question it. 
I want you to have a differing opinion than me. I want you to teach me. I'll, just as I want to give you my opinion, I want to expand uh, your perspective. And so it's actually kind of a tragedy to me nowadays because when I get a viralish video, it normally gets a bit of backlash. It'll get backlash from if I have a strong opinion on something, like I say Trump's a turd, which I will comfortably do very regularly without any sorrow whatsoever. Um, uh, if I have a fairly bigger video, people will say, oh, how can you make that opinion? How dare you? He's done this and this. And I'm like, good, it's reaching an outside outside the echo chamber. And the people who need to hear that do hear that. I think or at least a the few secret. of them. And even if they tell me I'm a turd, okay. at least they're hearing it. So, I, Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, so in a, it's backlash is a good thing in some ways, as hurtful as it can be. And, you know, I imagine you and uh, Kim and you, Abby, probably really hurt inside when you get some bad backlash. But that just means you're still feeling you're not cold inside and that you do empathize, that you are sensitive. And even though it can hurt, you know, um, the fact that it still hurts you and you're not just callous to it means that you're still a good creator and you're the kind of people we need. It's like, tell that to my YouTube. therapist. That's really nice. <laughs> like, that is, a, that is an extremely positive way to look at it, and yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, to branch off of that point is, like, discourse is important. And, like, yeah, to step outside of the echo chamber to hear what other people have to say, it, it is important because, I mean, if we didn't have contrast, where is the growth going to come from? Where are we going to grow? Where is anybody else going to grow? When That's exactly right. And when we don't question our own opinions and we don't have anyone to question it, that's how we get these divided sides in society where we just have these group mentalities of these guys are super evil and the other guys think we're super evil and that sort of thing and there's just these complete differences where we can't see in each other and it's i don't know what causes some of the <laughs> oh, insanity yeah, that like, has happened the in politics, recent years um, animation Part topic of it. we're gonna talk about no yeah um... <laughs> i promise we'll switch <laughs> right well they go hand in hand like, life is politics. Mm -hmm. People are politics. Your mm -hmm. deep ethical thoughts are deeply uh, connected to your politics. And it's, it's, it's scary sometimes because we try to separate them and say, oh, it's just politics. Right. Because we don't want it to matter because, like, we can't change it. But the hard part is saying, accepting we can't always change it, but still trying to change what we can because... Yeah, politics is related to animation. It affects how characters treat each other, how we let characters treat each other. So it's all connected, but <gasps> sometimes it's really scary to accept. It's yeah, all connected. I know with like a number of like project. I know with like a number of shows and movies. I mean, it's that's why I always like to hear various opinions. Uh, like I like to hear your take on movies and I like to hear maybe Doug Walker's take on movies. And then I like to hear a few other people's take on movies just so I can see like, oh, I want to hear what everybody else likes and doesn't like about something because then it's like, I want to be able to look at something and be like, okay, now I get why this person liked this. And now I get why this was a, I get, I can see how this was mm -hmm. a, a flaw in how I can see this would upset somebody else and how somebody else maybe goes oh but that's a strength in it you know it's like i like to see all that different stuff 
because I mean I've had opinions change about movies like not just because of like what what other people are saying but it helps me become more aware of what I'm missing uh, mm. that other people are catching and so it's like saying like oh this doesn't seem like a very good movie or whatever it's like you know it's like or at first I didn't like it you know but then I then I hear what other people have to say and what they did like about it and what they didn't like about it and I go you know what? That's really interesting. I that's a really interesting take. I have to look at this again and see it in that kind of light, and and then suddenly it's like it's it's it, it is. It's just like how hearing what other people have to say can change things. Um, and what? Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I still don't get their points. I, I, I try. You know, you're stronger than me, Abby, because sometimes I just can't get the other like, side. And like with certain things that, yeah, I can be like a little bit more stubborn. Um, but it's like I do like to hear what other people have to say because then it's for, to a, to a, an extent, if it means like okay, if I can see this and see why pe- uh, so many other people like it, and I'm missing something, then what am I missing? So it's because then that way it's like, okay, I kind of get it a little more rounded, you um, know? I'll just say two things. I think to round back to the, the original topic yeah. at hand, I think um, one of the biggest points we can learn from bad animation is like, we've talked about this before, but like critiquing and really understanding what uh, like, you know, a good structure for, you know, a movie is, you know, like in dissecting like the American 3X structure to like, you know, a lot of Japanese and a lot of like that kind of stuff has like they, they formulate their mm. their um their movies differently essentially. So that's I think that's why like a lot of the Miyazaki films are kind of just like you feel like you're watching something really new because it's it's a little bit off the beaten path essentially from what your expectations are. But um the other thing I think is a lot of times the bad mm-hmm. can um like get us familiar with something specifically like you know you, like we, we've talked about sonic so maybe if there was that really bad so- like the really bad sonic thing exists but then it kind of makes you go like okay well was sonic always bad like where did sonic come from like is there any good in sonic and then kind of really digest you know why this character maybe is getting so many um you know spin-offs like i also think of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because they just keep on making them and they just won't stop, you know? Um, And, like, why these characters remain in the public uh, conscience and what people are doing with them consistently (laughs) to change the thing from the last thing they made. Um, The other good example I wanted to bring is... um, So the best Mm Scooby-Doo is Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. Fight me in the comments. Um, And... (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. so if you haven't seen scooby-doo mystery incorporated it's oh great. you're totally right um yeah. and you know they have not they have a recurring arc they try to develop the characters like freddy and, and daphne actually date Sh- scooby and shaggy no scoot shaggy and velma date yeah um and then and then it was Aww. like something that was relatively new is they just released some creator of the show staff it's like yeah velma was gay she just didn't know it yet and we tried to make it as inherent as possible in the show but you know this was also like in the early 2000s so you know we can only get away with so much yeah so um no, the 2010s but I think that's why people are just rem- just starting to rediscover it is because there's just so much to do stuff like that's one of the properties that keeps on being remade over and over and over and then they try again with like this the, the Jetsons with the other dog that looks like Scooby-Doo, but not really. Um, yeah. 
yeah, so, um, you know, like, when, Astral. like, trying to figure out, like, just taking a direct-to-DVD Scooby-Doo movie and dissecting, like, okay, why is this bad? Why is, the, why, why are this, why is Zombie Island better than this, this other one that, you know, I found a, in the dollar bin store, essentially. And I think, like, when you come away from that, you can kind of understand, <laughs> like, what particularly, like, you like about something, you know, not something that's universally good or universally bad, but, like, what you like about certain iterations. And then maybe if you're, if you're a writer or you're, you're creative yourself, you can use those elements into your own writing. It's like, well, I like how they had an arc here where this character, you know, does X or dates X or, you know, whatever. That's something I really like about this show. So maybe that's something that I want to play with in my own creative field, essentially. And I think that's kind of like the biggest takeaway. Um, the other point I, I wanted to make, too, especially talking about reviewing and st stuff like that, is like um, everyone has a, like, a slightly different persona um, than how they act, you know, regularly, essentially. Like, you know, my personal thing is I play myself up and, you know basically exaggerate myself but at the end of the day like we know that you have your own opinions and you're not inherently bad or lesser because you disagree with us essentially you know a lot of times we play this stuff up for comedy and i feel bad when that doesn't mm -hmm. really get through to people or they just take it too much at face value like you know we are still you know entertainers i guess you know if you want to call it that mm -hmm. you know and even if we're talking as ourselves we're still gonna our deliveries are oh, going yeah. to be different than, you know, if I was just talking to Lauren, like, you know, somewhere. And, um, yeah, okay, I, that, those are the points I wanted to make, so anyone can jump in on that. I think, yeah, yeah that's uh, some really good points there. And uh, the fact that uh, we are taken so seriously by some people when we have a presence on the internet it doesn't take any qualifications, as we've many often seen, to go on the internet and some of the people we've seen on the internet and to get influence and power on the internet. And realizing your personal influence and still saying, well, I still want to have my own opinion and, you know, still being able to entertain and be mm -hmm. a bit more emotional, you know, it becomes a real careful game because it's like, I realize I have an influence, mm -hmm. uh, even though I'm just acting to a bit. So, you know, and finding that balance of still acting and having fun, but also realizing people of any age could potentially take what you're say, saying very seriously. Uh, it, it makes it a difficult balancing act because we shouldn't, you know, mm -hmm. people on the internet in general probably shouldn't have as mm -hmm. much influence as they have. But when I heard once that, uh, you know, internet uh, personalities now have more influence than Hollywood stars. It really shocked me, but also surprised me that the Minecrafter down the road who, uh, you know, plays Minecraft online, you know, has more influence uh, during one of his <laughs> swearing facades uh, on, mm -hmm. you know, little Johnny than, than, I don't know, Captain America yeah, and I does. think part of that is in the, in the end, most of the time YouTubers are, like they're regular everyday people that are doing it either at home or they're they're doing it in mm. their neighborhood or they're just I mean they're regular people they're not people that are in multi-million dollar movies uh they're not people who have a star on the walk of fame they're not anybody that's like 
a major TV personality, sometimes it's like maybe they get that deal down the line. You depending guys remember on who they when are. Fred but, was a thing? And but Fred uh, had like a deal with Nickelodeon, <laughs> and then I don't know what yeah. happened. And then John and John uh, Cena yeah. was his dad. <laughs> Oh, I did oh, have to yeah. laugh at that. That just seeing that clip, there was a clip of that that surfaced the other day, and I just remember I'm like, oh, that's right, that was bizarre. I mean, but I did have to laugh at that just because of how bizarre the situation was. But <laughs> and uh, and the fact that Fred is body slammed by John Fred Cena. So I mean, <laughs> but um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, in the end, it, it is because I I feel like as just. YouTubers have more of that grounding in being regular everyday people and more often begin as those regular everyday people that just create a YouTube channel and just want to do something and get an audience for it, right? And they just do it and they want to have fun with it. So, and then it ends up becoming maybe like it blows up and becomes something super huge. Like if you're a Markiplier or a Jacksepticeye or PewDiePie or anything like that, you know, or you're the Game Grumps or anybody like that, that you uh, make it that so big but you know it's in the end there's still people that began as regular people where it seems like almost like with hollywood there seems to be like a nepotism where you know somebody's parents were involved in movies before they were or worked with in the movies or you know, knew somebody who knew somebody meanwhile in youtube and in social media and all that stuff it's not nepotism not in hollywood so much nepotism sorry it may take <laughs> knowing some people to get yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I said it. it's totally nepotism in Hollywood. I never even but, thought of um, that. You are absolutely right. Yeah. There, it's uh, in YouTube. It's very much sink or swim. It is mm-hmm. ruthlessly harsh. But in Hollywood, there is definitely, and in jobs in general, um, there is a certain amount of nepotism. That is a very good point. I never thought of that before, but. Uh, nepotism disappears when it comes to mm. internet uh, personalities online it's just mm-hmm. harsh content and it's uh, and especially because i feel like with with online personalities and having that and having them being rooted in people that began it as maybe it's just something they wanted to do for fun you know uh, and if they happen to be more interactive with fans i mean fans will feed into that they're like, I can talk to this person, and they're talking to me. Uh, so, or they hear me. They mm. hear my opinion. They hear my thoughts. And and so when you have that interactivity, there's no disconnect. There's no separation anymore. Uh, and, of course, it's, so it's not like thinking, oh, I'm never going to meet Chris Evans ever. You know, he's a, he's a big-time movie star. I doubt I'd ever meet him. Meanwhile, when you have YouTube, YouTube people, I mean, I ran into Matt Pat and his wife at... <laughs> at the zoo once and i never thought i would meet him but i somehow was starstruck more <laughs> than i was with meeting some other celebrities because it's more like oh my gosh because it's you're a regular person that's right and and i have a much better chance of meeting you in person than a celebrity would who has been in a million movies because there isn't as much of a social disconnect and they're not trying to hide so much so it's yeah. that kind of thing where and that's why i feel like a lot more people listen to people online because it, in the end, it's a bunch of people, regular people with a bunch Relatable. of different opinions. <laughs> yeah, the relatability is really that's a, mm-hmm. yeah another good point. Um, no, just KP, being you got a anything to say? Because <laughs> like with all that stuff, essentially, it it makes not I don't you know like 
a lot of like my troubles on the internet haven't been necessarily because I'm a girl. But, you know, it doesn't help, especially, you know, I think the future of, you know, say conventions are, you know, conventions are going to get more social, you know, social influencers instead of, you know, voice actors and stuff because the social influencers are cheaper. They can advertise for themselves, you know. It just seems like an easier uh, ticket, essentially, than just, like, getting, like, a voice actor who was a small voice actor and something, but, you know, it's not as, there's not as much bang for your buck there. So, you know, when you hear, like, so-and-so is going to be at this convention, and they're, you know, it's it just like, oh, well, they're just regular people. They're not just, like, you know, they're not the voiceovers with the security. They're just, like, bending at a booth, and I can just go say hi, and... You know, and, like, I can give KP my number, and, like, what could possibly go wrong? And I'm just like, uh, um, yeah, so we're a little off topic, essentially, but. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, I feel like it does kind of root That's back cool. into, though, like, because uh, it does end up, uh, end up feeding back into reviewing the good and the bad in animation and stuff like that, because right. it all comes down to opinions, and and feedback so it's just like and who you hear it from and who delivers it uh because in the end it's like yeah we are all people responding to it and to to content good and bad and you know and depends on who's looking at it and what defines what is good and what is bad even though there are often times where something if it's majority you know for the majority part taken as bad then yeah it's objectively bad (laughs) um but um but it's uh, yeah. But yeah, in the end, it, it is because uh, we we do have to be careful also with you know, uh, you know, with our opinions online, because yeah, like what we pointed out earlier is that it seems like more people listen to the reviewers online than they do any any like movie critics that or Rotten Tomatoes or anything like that. That's why critic score versus audience score it shows you the difference in who gauges what and you know what the audience sees as maybe mm. good or bad versus mm-hmm. what the critics claim is good or bad. Um, and even when the audience themselves becomes critics. So it's like, it's taking in all of that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That was a little spill that went on. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a really good point. And it also means that you've got to be careful in what products you endorse because you're suddenly worth more to advertisers when you, are more relatable to people because it also means people listen to you more, as we mm-hmm. were saying. So it also means they'll listen to you. If you say this makeup will make you, you know, I don't know, feel better about yourself or some garbage like that. And, you know, so you've got to be careful as mm-hmm. well on what you endorse because they may offer you a lot of money, you know, in order to get this message across because you are influential. So, yeah, <laughs> that's a bit of a game as well. And speaking of speaking of endorsements, Raid no, Shadow don't. Legends. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, they actually emailed me, and I said no. <laughs> like, and they were terrible because, like, they they like they offered a like they offer a competitive price, and I think that's why they get through to everyone. Mm. But like, they kept on spam emailing me, and I said, "Please go through my agent. I'm not interested." How did you get my private email? And they just kept going, and I had to block them. Uh, and so I now, whenever someone talks about it, I say, no, they are annoying. They didn't speak English very well, which is fine. But like, God, hire, if you're spreading that much money, just hire someone to write an English email for you that doesn't feel so unpersonalized. I don't know. I could 
stick it mm. on a billboard. It was terrible. Yeah. The price of the oh, price of fame, <laughs> is it not? <laughs> How did you get my email? That's <laughs> oh god, I haven't heard about Rayford Legends in a or in a while. Uh. Every so often, well, it backfired. Every so often, it, it backfired because so. <laughs> now every now everything is head. about the VPNs, which that's fine. That's for protection. So <laughs> honestly, I would actually endorse them because I use them anyway, and I'm just like, yeah, I don't know if it's that useful for everyone. If things people think it is, but you know, if you want a VPN, you're in Australia or China or something like that, where everything's blocked. You know? Oh no, we end. tricked you. And I'm not endorsing them. We're, we're stating examples based off. Of, <laughs> we're stating handy. examples based off of our based off of our videos that were recommended to us because YouTube <laughs> algorithms. That's how they work. <laughs> oh, by the way, Kim, I just got to say, you if you decide to get you get bored of uh, YouTube, you would make a great <laughs> webby duck on the new Ducktales. You just have the perfect voice for it. <laughs> A little bit of nervousness, but at the same time, oh, man. that if only, if only I could get strength, that gig, you, know, you just make fun. a great webby I'm not webby really much duck. of an actress, but you know, I, you know, money is money, and and like Ducktales is a good thing. <laughs> good for me, yeah. Um, uh, one of I'll my friends is you. like really like a really hardcore Donald <laughs> Duck historian, though, so I'll t I'll tell him tell her you said that. <laughs> but um. <laughs> <laughs> D Donald oh, Duck. Oh yeah, she has a lot. She house. has a. Um, she has a. She does. She has a Donald Duck cell of the three Capilleros signed by Walt Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Oh whoa! So, Are you serious? Whoa. I don't know. You can Jeez. ask her. How did she get that? <laughs> a lot of eBay money. That's right. She and I can go on a discussion about Donald being the uh, you know, hands down to the, the best Donald Disney Duck character. Podcast. Uh -huh. <laughs> Um. <laughs> um. Let's see. Other questions. Um. Um. Oh, go ahead, Lauren. I, I. I. Oh, I was gonna say. I guess if you wanted to to uh, to get into it, oh, what was your most difficult? What was your most difficult review to do? Like in terms of uh, I guess in terms of uh, ranking. Uh, maybe movies or episodes of a show. What was yeah. your most difficult one? Because I know sometimes if it's like a, a show with hundreds of episodes or anything like that, what would be your most difficult one mm. that you've had to narrow down or do you anticipate would be one to narrow down? I generally did the really difficult ones in the first two years, like rather than the last five years. So I did the really ones I shouldn't do, like Best Simpsons, which I so regret <laughs> doing because all my choices have changed. I'm like, that was terrible. How could I not include that? Um, a lot of my worst lists have stayed the same. Like I did Worst Simpsons, and that, that was kind of difficult to pick because there were a lot of bad episodes that you know other people thought were really bad. I was like, no, nah, this is worse. So Simpsons was what... Uh, Ah, that wasn't too bad, actually. Odd oddly enough, one of the hardest ones I did was actually Disney games. Mm. I did that one recently. I've been expanding more into games. Uh, like you, Kim, I'm just trying to expand what I've uh, been doing lately. And uh, it was really hard to pick out what some of the great games because they, they expand over, mm. like, 30 years. And Disney is often difficult because a lot of their titles are quality. Like, they're just a certain quality standard. Like, they, they're not terrible voice acting ever. 
they're not like really entertainingly bad. So Disney is really popular, um, you know, to talk about, but it's also sometimes really t difficult to say this $200 million Disney movie is <laughs> not good. It's, 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 you just can't say that. It's like, no, I did, I had to do worse to best Disney, modern Disney movies, because when you're doing $200 million animation genius movies, like the most expensive movies in the world, you, you, that have been approved by 500 shareholders, you know, you're not going to get something that's, you know, entertainingly bad. You know, I had to say the worst of the, yeah. I had to go worst to best, and the worst of them was Ralph Breaks the Internet, in my opinion. And even that, obviously, is contrasted. I thought it wasn't my cup of tea. I thought it, you know, was pretty um, lousy in mm -hmm. a lot of areas, but a lot of people like it. I was going to say, just to hush, whispers under breath, Mars needs mums. <laughs> Oh yeah, well that that you don't get many like that, you know, and that's the tricky part. Is like that one's like ten years old now, and I did add mm -hmm. that to my worst Disney movies. But you know, to stay fresh, you got to talk about the new stuff, and like, uh, um, yeah, none of the new stuff is that bad. So you've really yeah, got to dig deep sometimes. So yeah, some of those are really think, difficult. Um, I think it also gets kind of tricky when um, a lot of the companies change how their their marketing strategies and what they can expect. Like Disney is pretty good as far as keeping things consistent for the most time. Like we have outliers like you know Ralph, you know Ralph breaks the internet, and you know Rocket Ralph in general, a video game. Um, but you know, like the one that comes off the top <laughs> of my head I'm is DreamWorks because DreamWorks has kind of gone from like you know a somewhat you know, serious 2D company to, like, yeah. DreamWorks face. Yeah, so, and, you know, it's also, you know, sh like, people remember Shrek, <laughs> and people remember Road to El Dorado, and obviously Prince of Egypt is the best, but, you know, I don't remember, like, a lot of DreamWorks stuff, you know? Like, I don't remember the, sna the snail movie. I don't remember, like, the bee movie, people are remembering that because it is so bad, mm. it's good. But, you know, I don't think people would, you know, it wasn't, it's not... <laughs> obviously so i don't know it's a weird contrast yeah no i, I can agree with that uh, dreamworks is a funny one because they've uh they had a really bad i feel uh sort of uh dip in the middle of the sort of career personally i feel shrek one didn't age that well shrek two Really, really quality, really good, great characters, great growth. Um, uh, for take it or leave it, but like uh, in the middle around the Shark Tale era, mm -hmm. was just terrible. Like uh, that wasn't a particularly good movie. <laughs> they felt like Sony, or now that's a bit harsh. So I like Hotel Transylvania, but they felt like bad Sony movies. Uh, and now they've got stuff like How to Train Your Dragon, and they take themselves a bit more bit more seriously they don't do like the really mm -hmm. stupid fish face stuff so i feel like they've had a dip in the middle and they're yeah. coming especially with uh, their television division where they're doing all of the, i mean they are they're oh, really yeah. branching out with a lot of the content that they've had on there um and so and then also when they expand upon their movies in some of those shows like if you have had to drain your dragon or even like trolls or anything like that like it, it, they've been going strong yeah. with a lot of that content and pushing it hard, so that's good. Tons of Netflix content, like uh, Troll Hunters. They've even sort of done some mm -hmm. anime-esque ones. Uh, uh, um, yeah, I'll just say good, Shira, uh, um, obviously. Television content. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> yeah, she raws. Oh, is that DreamWorks? Um, oh, hell yeah. If you Definitely. don't know that yet, like, we're, um, out this recording, we're almost done with my, like, big-ass she review, and it's, like, it's gonna be, like, 30 minutes, and we have, like, live-action cosplayers in it, like, cosplaying and, like, acting <laughs> oh. scenes out in character, and I'm tired. Like, this is, like, this is, this has turned into a monster. It'll be good, but it will, it's turned into a monster. So, anyway, nice. um, you know, uh. <laughs> Lord, fun. I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, if you want to subscribe, fan. <laughs> Link me when that's out. I'd love to see it. <laughs> Hit that yeah, like button. Sure. Hit the notification bell. <laughs> <laughs> Tell everyone how awesome I'm I glad am you told me. <laughs> make people like me. No, um, no, it's always like kind of dangerous because you know as we're as we're I've said this before I think but I'll repeat my point like part of our big expansion plan is you know reaching out for people who want to do collabs and I'm always afraid that like people are you know because part of it is like I want to be sincere and be like yo we really care about this stuff too but also like. We need subscribers. I'm tired of these pony people. So, you know, um, that's that's a joke. Um, <laughs> I, I love you pony people. But anyway, um, so it's just kind of coming off. Pony people are nice. Yeah, like, I, I love Discord, too. Um, I love pony and, people. And, you know, it's, like, I, and I, I personally like them, too, because, you know, a lot of my content is basically talking to myself. And I have, like, you know, big outliers where we do, like, more grandiose things we do like animation projects and that kind of thing as a standalone but like even even that it's just like me talking to myself and me telling people hey i want to do this and people are like okay that sounds cool you know essentially so i think doing the collabs in general are really kind of you know branching hold on doing a podcast mom anyway that's my mother everyone um you can cut that obviously <laughs> editor person um yeah so you know trying to find um people that are interested in doing collabs and don't just see the standard like oh she just you know it's 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 an advertisement thing and i'm like yes but like we can you know we can we can play with artistic styles and stuff like that so um yeah so even though it took a while thanks phantom for being my friend it's cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, my pleasure, and uh, sure. thank you likewise for inviting me on. And, you know, you made a really good point, if I could just finish on that, is to say that uh, you, um, I am just doing yet another uh, collab with George and adding him into the script and stuff. And uh, the mm -hmm. thing about when you're doing collab is you start thinking in the other person's shoes. It makes you think about how you're going to do that exchange. What do they think? And I think it's a really good... Uh, it, 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 it grows us as people because we start to think from another person's mm -hmm. perspective. It forces us to, in order to make an mm -hmm. authentic crossover. So uh, I, I do think, yeah, collabs are really valuable, even if it's not for, you know, growing to plenty of subscribers, yeah. but instead just not because, all one, you meet new mm -hmm. people, and two, yeah. you grow as a person. Um, I, th I think... Mm. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, you yeah, so you, I think yeah. Phantom yeah. has to go to the dentist And you, now. Lauren. So, um... <laughs> oh, we'll hang. So, I doll. I doll. I don't yeah, want to. Yeah, we gotta make dental hygiene. <laughs> and now I today I learned they have dentists in Australia. Yay! You know, yeah. I know they do, but like that's just a funny, silly fact. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, uh, yeah, it's been yeah. A thanks pleasure. so much Thank for you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, Lauren was excited. Oh, we're like, very happy to have you. I'm like, yay! So, <laughs> yeah. When, when you, I was gonna say she she oh, name dropped you in a you. conversation. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm like, you mentioned Phantom Strider. Wait, what? What did you say? <laughs> I'm like, so yeah. So I've been watching oh, for years. So um, it's been it was really yeah. It's been it's been oh, really wow. awesome to have you on. So thank you for joining us. <laughs> Yeah, and if you guys want to see Phantom again, just Thank yell at him like, on Twitter. I'll talk to you <laughs> Politely yell at him. And we'll have All him right, on bye. for a part two, I guess. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> so see ya. Thanks for li- so Phantom is gone <laughs> at this point, but um, thanks for listening to this episode of Animation Communication. If I haven't told you five times, please make sure you're subscribed to the main channel. We're, we're desperately trying to let make it grow, and we value you, random person. So now you can win some free art if you comment on the videos when they come out. You can get things for free. I know that's your favorite thing when you're listening to a podcast that we make for free. Um, go check out Phantom if you haven't. He's a really <laughs> nice guy, as you, pro- you guys probably heard. He's very sincere. Um, uh, I Follow us on the the Instagrams and the Twitters, like, no one really cares that the podcast has an Instagram account, but, like, we technically put promos up there, and then we have a Twitter, and then we have social media, and then we have, like, our personal social media, and then... Um, yeah, so you, do all the follows, do all the sharing, he's, he's do all the subscribing. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, yeah, it, and we aim for you know obviously every Wednesday we try to have our releases up uh, on uh, your streaming services, uh, audio streaming services like podcast services uh, in the morning, and then towards the evening we usually have like a YouTube visualizer version uh, up on our YouTube channel in the, in the evening. So uh, yeah, that's yeah. Basically, so the majority I of you are probably sums it up. <laughs> using YouTube. So thanks YouTube for be for existing essentially. But if you want, if you really want to hear them beforehand, you can go on SoundCloud or Spotify or iTunes, and they're up like five or six hours earlier. I I was like, listen to them on your commute to nowhere. You know mm-hmm. what? That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> All right. So, uh, thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Make sure you watch Animal Characters for next time. I don't know how more blunt I can be without telling things. So, yay, see you next week. Yes, please watch Animal Crackers, and we'll see you next time. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to Animation Communication on YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast provider. We are really hoping this show makes a difference in how people view animation and media, as well as giving and providing advice for people all over the world who like or want to join the animation or media industry. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe and rate those five stars, as well as tell your friends. Don't forget to subscribe to our main YouTube channel, I Love Kim Possible A Lot, and turn those notifications on. My name is Scribbler, and you have been listening to Animation Communication. 